Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, yes, indeed. We are launching lunchtime here on CAMWEX, University of CAMWEX. One more hour. Lots of things happening today on CAMWEX. Stay tuned. It's a great afternoon. One o'clock brings up the business of family business with Ryan Recker. Lots of things happening. I like that uh, segment. Uh, get a good bit of, uh, I don't know, for people that like business and some of the, the names around St. Louis that have been part of our landscape for years. That's kind of neat. And then 2 p.m., the Ameren pregame show. Alex Ferrario and the cards at San Francisco today at 305. John Rooney, Rick Horton, bring that call to us. Right now, one hour of the X Home Improvement Show, the Helitech Home Improvement Show. And we are having lots of fun here. 50,000 watts. I've got a great uh, question here uh, coming up. We're going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, I do have phone lines open. This is your time. to. Uh, there's more seats in the back of, the, of this uh, classroom. Come on in. Have a seat. Uh, pull up a uh, lunch bag. And help yourself. We're going to get together and share the information right here on University of Camo X. 314-436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. Those of you that have been saving questions, you know who you are. Bring them on. We've got 60 minutes to take care of business right here on the Home Improvement Show. Uh, my name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. Um, we're in our 70th year of business. I'm not that old. I'm Frankly, I'm not that smart. So uh, I, I'm keeping the wheel rolling. We have some wonderful, wonderful craftsmen and designers. We are a licensed architecture firm with all the design services necessary to do things around the home. And then, indeed, uh, we because of our experience and really the research, I guess it, it spins off of my own curiosity. We have become consultants really just for figuring things out. You hear a good bit of it here on KMOX through the radio, but how we think, we just love this stuff. I mean, you know, we get together at just company gatherings that are social. We still debate how to fix things. What's the right way? How you go about it? What about this thing? What if the temperature is high here? Will that change? You know, we talk, you know, where'd you hear like vapor drive and all that? That's all part of, you know, just, we love this stuff. We can't help ourselves. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you want more information on Mosby Building Arts, you can check us out on the website, callmosby.com. One thing I will offer is there is a seminar tab at the top there that uh, I think is pretty dandy. Uh, we've got a seminar coming up here on October 7th, uh, Saturday, October 7th. That'll be at the Lodge of De Pair, and it's creating your master suite oasis. Yeah, for the, for you mortgage payers, yeah, this is your time. You know, you've been paying for this thing for so long. Now it's your turn to enjoy some of that. So creating your master suite oasis, and that's uh, October 7th. It'll be Saturday morning, 1030, Lodge de Pair. Check that out, callmosby.com, and you'll find out more. Uh, let's see what's cooking here and get right back with uh, our caller and talk with Bob. Hey, Bob, Scott Mosby here. How many help? How may I help you, sir? Well, I want you to know I have a very serious problem here. Yeah. About two weeks ago, I started getting so much interference that I can't even listen to KMOX. The AM side of the radio has a great deal of interference. It kind of varies a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the FM comes in clear. I have no other problems. But I'm wondering if this is an electrical problem in the house or they hung new wires for both uh, UE and cable a yard and a half away from mine, 
uh, like two weeks ago, about the same time that this started. Ooh. I wanted to know if there's a way to find out what's interfering, or do I have to move? <laughs> well, I feel your pain. I uh, had to go through this myself uh, when my wife, when I got on the radio, she said, I can't hear, I can't, I can't hear you on the radio. We get too much interference. Anyway, uh, Bob, yeah. the, the place to start is the wiring, the change, because here's what happens. Either you get a new radio or something starts going amiss. Uh, generally, it's a failing something. There's arcing happening uh, somewhere, and it's happening within that AM uh, frequency. So that's, you know, FM, the same problem is happening, but it's on a different frequency, so the FM still comes through clean. Okay, let me tell you, I, I noticed that uh, when I got in the car earlier this week, we turned on the car, Camo X is on, and there was interference until we got to the end of the driveway, which the car is about uh, 10 to 15 feet from the house, mm-hmm. probably 10 feet, but uh, you go another 15, 20 feet down the driveway and suddenly it's clear as a bell. Yeah, you've uh, here. I, what I've discovered sometimes it's a transformer. Uh, sometimes it's a connection on the wire. Um, but uh, the problem is, it's really hard to get somebody else to fix that thing because you know, from their point of view, it's all doing fine. You know, the connections are good, yeah. and the transformer's still delivering power. But when you get a transformer that's nearing the end of its life, sometimes it can start arcing a little bit, and it's just it's just uh, interference. It's just static. That's all. Well, the squirrels have blown the transformers in this area at least a half a dozen times this summer. Ooh. Because they like to walk along them, so most of them are probably pretty new. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, we live along uh, Coldwater Creek, and I'm sure that uh, the squirrels like to use I see them all the time. They use that as a, uh, as a highway through from yard to yard. <laughs> and, and when they step into the wrong spot, they fry, so... They, they should be all new. Could it be something when they hooked up a new one that did that? It could. I mean, it can still be a little bit of a short happening there, but generally Ameren gets all that stuff cleaned up. But when you have, you know, let's, I mean, you're talking about big wires, 200 amp service cables, you know, and, and all it takes is a little bit of something that, that causes that interference. Or when they disconnect and reconnect it to the house, sometimes there's, you know, they're, you know, you can get static actually in the breakers itself. The, the The problem, Bob, is I don't have any good answers for you. I know where it is. I don't know how to stop it because if nothing changed really inside your house, it's something that happened elsewhere. Um, and, and that's, frankly, that's why we do so much with X coming through the Internet is we just bypass all that stuff for listening direct. Okay, well, I guess I got to move. <laughs> okay, well, I, I feel your pain, Bob. I've been there, done that. All right, thank you so much for your help, Scott. I love your show. <laughs> Thanks for being part of our family, Bob. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, Camwick. I know what you speak. You know, it is. Uh, and uh, sometimes it's Transformers. Sometimes it's out ho- outside the house. And sometimes it's something happening uh, and think about this. Uh, there are so many different frequencies. You've got Wi-Fi. You've got Bluetooth. Um, you've got all sorts of things. Likewise, the most common place to start with this is inside your own house uh, because it's oftentimes you'll have reverse polarity. Uh, alternating current, AC current, doesn't matter 
whether the wires are hooked up, you know, left and right or right left, uh, you know, that current flows through. Direct current, not so. It'll only go kind of one direction, so you have to get the wiring right for it to work. Well, you get, you know, somebody changing outlets, duplexes. They don't understand the difference uh, between that brass terminal on an outlet or a switch and the uh, silver, silver one, which would be the side for the common or the ground. Um, you know, and you get a couple of those things switched around, there's still no problem. You plug in an appliance that counts on one side being the power, you can get static to where the uh, appliance, you know, the blow dryer, the curlers, uh, the radio itself is not really getting clean power. And that's why you have in the duplex plug on many of these appliances, you have one big wide prong. That's so that appliance gets properly plugged in to the proper poles. You can't, you know, you can't mix them up and put them around the back way. For that to be effective, you have to have the wiring inside the wall correctly done. So there are just a lot of opportunities to get static here. So anyway, that's uh, why uh, sometimes when I'm traveling, I'm listening to KMOX through my phone and all kinds of ways to do that. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Uh, this is Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I am with KMOX at your service together here in the Midwest. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. Oh, so much fun, so many watts, so little time. Let's get on with it here. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. Let's visit with Sarah and see what's happening. Sarah, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for taking my call, and I'll be quick, I promise. <laughs> yes, um, I have a 20 by 20 patio that's uh, made of concrete and then it's overlaid with bluestone, I mm. guess, pavers. And then those pavers uh, have grout between them, about a half inch yep. of grout between them. Well, I guess it's been a couple of years. And so now the, the um, grout is um, missing or cracking and I've got little plants growing in between them and I'm not sure what to do. Uh, I've been told that... I can I can take the grout out and replace the grout, and then I've been told that I need to pick up every single block and you know do it do it that way. Uh, how old is the patio again? I'm thinking maybe six years. Six years, okay. Um, at six years, that's you're right in between those two answers. Uh, the issue is you've got well, first off, it's bluestone. My gosh, is that stuff beautiful? Man, I, I like bluestone because not only do, can I see Mother Nature with that stuff, I can feel Mother Nature. So I love bluestone. Uh, yeah, we really love it. It's very pretty. Now, the issue with bluestone, it's very porous. So it, when it gets wet, the rain sets in that bluestone and it'll wick its way out. The issue is that stone moves a little bit seasonally. And when it's, uh, it, you have a full masonry patio. So think of having a brick wall, only your brick wall is laying flat and all of the snow and the ice and the water and the rain is just, you know, expanding. And the freeze is getting into your mortar during the winter and it's just pulverizing that mortar in between. So you need a mason to pull out that mortar at the very least. However, if after six years, and you're right about there, somewhere between five and eight years, depending on how sheltered that patio is, you can also have the water get underneath the bluestone because it's actually bedded down in, in cement mortar as well. 
and that bond can break, which means if you have any, you can you can kind of tap on them with a uh, like a, w- a wooden broomstick or something, Sarah. If it's hollow, they all have to come up. If it sounds solid like a you know solid piece of steel, then maybe they can stay down. The issue is you wind up with you know sometimes you may you know twenty percent or one fifth of the stones might be loose and the others aren't. Once you get that many that are loose, that's just the the shape of things to come, and the others will loosen up as well. Um, so I, I love the Bluestone. Um, you have a really good installation. It is a high-maintenance installation that will require um, a, a mason to come in and at, at the very least every few years put the mortar back in and every five to eight years you'll have to reset those stones over that concrete slab. Okay, well, they're, they're not that bad. I mean, there's just a few on the edges that are that are detaching, but the rest of it's pretty sound. So would it be wise to just, um, you know, get the get the mortar out and then, re-mort- you know, remortar the grout, I yeah. guess? Yeah, I think so, because your soil is around the outside, likely, so you're, the water is wicking in from the edges worse than the rest, so your field, the center part, may not be ready for all that yet. So, yeah, in this case, less is more. I would I would deal with directly with what needs attention, um, you know, and, and, and you're going to pick your time. Just be aware that the time will come when you do need to pull that up and clean off the backs of those stones and reset them correctly. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your help. I appreciate that. All right, Sarah. Man, I love Bluestone. Congratulations. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Have a good day. All right. Bye now. All right. Mm-hmm, bye. Home improvement. Now, Mother Nature is gorgeous. I, I mean, I have built stuff all my life. My father as well. I have never built anything prettier than Mother Nature. So using as much as we can of natural materials stones, the woods, they, we're, we're misapplying these materials into man-made assemblies. And, you know, Mother Nature doesn't like us messing with her stuff. And in patios, in buildings. So that's, you hear me talk about this water management. Everything is affected adversely by water, uh, even water. <laughs> I mean, how do you like the water down in Houston? Water comes, pollutes the water. Yeah. Water messes with everything. So anyway, the more beauty you have, generally, the more maintenance you have. So anyway, let's see what's cooking. Let's talk to Joan. Joan has a really good question here. Hey, Joan, Scott here. Good afternoon. Welcome to Camel Wax. I have a question about a fire extinguisher. I was wondering how long they last. Uh, What kind of fire extinguisher do you have? Describe it. Well, it's just a... A red one, and it's about, oh, 14, 16 inches long, and it has a, a spout on the end of it. Uh, I've what? never used it, but I'm just, it's out in the garage, but I'm wondering if I ever need it. Is it going to work? <laughs> uh, Joan, there's usually a dial on it that has um, a white, a green, and a red section on that dial, like looking on a tiny little clock the size of a nickel. Have you looked at that? No. Uh, every usually the ones um, there are those that can be recharged and there are those that um, are disposable. The issue being it costs somewhere between twenty and forty dollars to recharge that fire extinguisher. Generally, you buy new ones for about fifteen. So it depends on how they're made. Generally, it, te- it describes where you buy it. If you bought it cheaply, it can't be recharged economically. If you pay more for it, then you wind up with a you know, a more sustainable, refillable thing. But that little dial 
Joan is the first place to check. And if if that arrow, what's that? It has a red dial. Okay. Uh, Is there a little needle on it? Let me see. I'm trying to get to it. There you go. Yeah. Hanging on the wall. This is a really good question, so I I appreciate your question a lot. Do it. Gonna have to have my daughter get it when she comes over. Yeah. No, no worries. Uh, I, but if this thing's older than five years, I would say you're ready to replace it because on some of those, uh, you know, uh, pardon me, but, you know, cheap fire extinguishers, um, you're better off just replacing it because sometimes the dials will not correctly um, register. So it'll show the arrow in the green or slightly in the green. But when you have a fire problem and you go to fire this thing off and it doesn't work, now you're in big trouble. So uh, on those uh, simpler ones, uh, every five years, at least change them. It's about 19 years old because that's how old my house is. Yeah, I, I would uh, just for, I mean, it's... it's, uh, it's CBS a, News updates. It's a cheap President Trump touring his shelter. It's an inexpensive way to buy safety by replacing that. So I, I would advise that that gets replaced, period. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Thank you. Joan, thank you for the question. That's uh, very, very important. Um, and that's a great thing. I, I, we, I don't know that I've had a fire extinguisher uh, question for many, many years. Uh, for all of you, and I have these things all around the house. I have one in the garage. I have one down in the basement by the furnace. Um, I have one on every level. I think I've got one underneath the, the sink in the kitchen. Um, and, you know, every five years at least, I generally replace them. Um, and the issue is, what do I do with the old ones? You know, I take them to the the fire recharger guys, and they generally say, they're no good to us because it, this is a consumer-based fire extinguisher. It's not made to be recharged. We can recharge it, but we have to really change the guts. So, you know, it's kind of like, do you, do you buy, you know, and this is the pricing issue. But it's like, well, I don't know, I'll, I'll pay 15 or $20 every few years. But it generally, for example, at work where we keep fire extinguishers and because we have many people there, we, we then hold the responsibility of their fire safety. And so every year we get those tested um, and they come in and they test and, you know, they make sure that they're correct. So anyway, uh, the more you have to protect, the more... Uh, wise it is to replace those fire extinguishers. Nothing worse than having a safety issue that is unreliable. Uh, you know, if, if you don't agree, check with Houston. See what they think on getting ready for water. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, home improvement. Stay tuned on here, 2 o'clock, the Ameren pregame show. Right after this show, the business of family business immediately following the home improvement show. Stay tuned, afternoon of fun all day. Next up, uh, we've got Mike here, retired firefighter, to help us along on fire extinguishers. Mike, good afternoon. You have some tidbits to share with us? Yeah, a couple points, Scott. Uh, Number one, most important, before they use the fire extinguisher, Get the troops on the way, 911. Ah, get, ah. get help coming, even if it's a small fire. Uh, number two, exit drill in the home. Have a fire escape plan, just like you used to do back in grade school. Have one at home. Uh, a couple other points. Uh, have that fire extinguisher near the exit. Ah. You want to grab it on, on the way out. 
and also have it in a spot where everybody knows where it's at. Uh, you've got yours under the sink in the kitchen. That's great when you're home. But if you've got to go past the fire to get to it, yeah. or if you have guests or a babysitter, they don't know it's under the sink. Yeah, yeah. So some real basic stuff. There's brochures at the local firehouse. Uh, stop by. They'll have all of those points, and uh, they'll be glad to help you out. Any of the firehouses in St. Louis uh, metro area. Hey, Mike, if uh, if we've got the, the lady was asking, I've got a fire extinguisher. Can we take those to the firehouse, too, and, and get a, you know, a, a good opinion on those? Yeah, you should be able to get an opinion. Uh, a multi-use ABC type right. uh, with a about a 10 or a 20 AB, uh, 2A, 20B. I'm going, I'm going. Yeah, you're going way over here. our heads here. I, I know what okay. you're talking about. Yeah. but An ABC, ABC type, um, minimum of five pounds of powder in there. So that'll be about the size of a uh, gallon of milk. Okay. Roughly. Okay. Five pounder. But the firehouse would be glad to help you out. They'll explain it to you. Right on. Right on. Mike, thank you very much. A little help from our friends. All right, Scott. Thank you. All right. Take care. Love it. How about that? University of KMOX comes from all points in the community. Yep. Ah. Love it. It only matters if we survive. You know, and that's, I've learned so much in the building codes and the fire codes. The fire code is really, I mean, granted, we're trying to prevent fires, but we're also trying to slow them down when that nasty event occurs. So anyway, you're going to find some pretty um, um, committed firefighters here. Let's go next up and see what's cooking with Dan. Hey, Dan, Scott Mosby here. How can I help, my friend? Yeah, thank you for taking my call, Scott. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who has a two-story older home, Mm -hmm. and the people who live on the second floor are always complaining it's too hot up there. Of course, we all know heat rises, but there's no return of any kind on the second floor, and the heat rises and just stays dormant up there. Wow. And even winter months, they have to use a window AC unit to, to help keep cool up there. Uh, I, I wonder if you could give me any tips on if there is an inexpensive way to solve that problem, or what direction should I go? Um. Well, you've already diagnosed the problem. I mean, uh, something like 70% of all structures in the United States don't have enough return air. Uh, just because we didn't we we didn't understand how important it was in the forced air, you know, our our technology exceeded our experience and knowledge. So even a lot of houses today that are getting built brand new don't have enough return air. Uh, if there's none on the second floor, wow! I mean, that works great for air conditioning. Uh, but you're gonna if you close, you're gonna have the house too hot because you're just not getting any circulation, whether it's AC or heat. Um, so you can do what I would call a poor man's return air conditioner. You basically run a flexible duct up the stairs up to the second floor, and you basically connect it to the existing return either at the furnace downstairs or at a return air register. The problem is. You know, the return air register, even if it's big enough for the first floor, is not big enough for the first floor and the second floor. Um, yes. You know, so uh, there's, wow, that's costing them a fortune, frankly. Um, because then you get the heat, the radiation of the heat, that if you're not moving and changing the air, you don't get, you know, you're just cooking them up there. You might as well just fry them up like a fried chicken. Yes, yeah, I wow. agree. Yeah. Wow. 
So, no, I, the best thing is to get some sort of return air up there. It's difficult to retrofit, and on the second floor, I get that. Uh, the other thing you can do is run your furnace blower motor, but run fans on the second floor, and it's really, if you can't get the return working, then you basically do a portable fan, maybe a fan on a stand that's blowing the second floor stuff down the main stairwell. Uh, on the yes. first floor, so you you artificially circulate. For example, the purpose of return air is to you know, as the supplies blow the air out, the return air draws them or inhales them back down into the furnace to get recirculated. You can do that with you know blower fans, you know, just regular fans in each corner of the house blowing toward the stairway, and then a central fan blowing down the stairway. So you can make that happen. But it's it's a little intrusive into quality of life, but you know. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay, well let's help. I appreciate your information, Scott. All right, Dan, it's just mixing the air. How do you artificially mix it up when you don't have a central return air? And that you you just now you own that problem in portable fans instead of central AC. I agree. All right. You have a great thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Bye now. Home Improvement, KMOX. We've got lots of things happening right here on KMOX. Stay tuned. More coming. Ah. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right. I want to invite you to a wonderful article on callmosby.com, Achieving Accurate Project Estimates, How to Do Estimating. This is written by one of the smartest residential estimators I know. Uh, he happens to be uh, somebody I work with at Mosby. Uh, he's been in this industry probably 50 years and uh, he knows his way around it. I encourage you because everything comes from the estimate. Uh, an estimate that is too low winds up having cut corners, shortcuts, uh, lasting value issues where you're just not able to build it right. So, you know, if you, you one thing I learned, uh, I, I went to um, my university years and I grew up with tools. I understood tools and building and nuts and bolts and all of that. But I didn't understand money as a tool. So when I speak to the public, I describe what I learned in college is if you have a big problem, you need big money. If you have a small problem, you need small money. But if you try and mix that up and shortcut one or the other, you wind up with something being short delivered and then you create new trouble trying to not match those resources together. Anyway, let's get P, uh, to the phones and see what's cooking with Leonard. Hey, Leonard Scott here. How can I help you? We have a, a home that's built in 64 when all electric was popular, so we put in radiant heat in the ceiling. We have no duct work in the walls, in other words, so our mm -hmm. air conditioning unit is in the attic. During the wintertime, when it's shut off, I get a lot of condensation around the diffusers. In fact, it ruins the plaster. Yep. Is there any way of stopping that? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, Leonard, are you in a full house power home? Amron had the full house power, you know, all electric. Uh, we, were all, we were all electric at the time, yes. We yeah. were no longer all electric. We were at the time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your registers uh, up in the attic are made of metal. And anything metal, whether it's the covers or the uh, the uh, boot itself, the thing that the ductwork connects to, basically anything that gets cold in the winter and is close to the inside of the house will condense. 
So whether it's air conditioning or heating, you make that ductwork very cold. It needs to be encased in spray foam. And every square inch of it has to be encased in it. So I know, and we deal with this, Leonard, quite often, uh, even brand new homes where uh, effectively you need to spray foam all of that metal that comes in contact with the warm, moist air inside your home. Most commonly it happens in bathrooms uh, because that's where the humidity gets higher and the temperature gets higher with a hot shower. Um, But even in the summertime, if you have metal, a metal register in the bathroom, you will have condensation on that because your ductwork, when it gets really hot outside, your air conditioner runs all the time and that metal gets colder and colder and colder. So the dew point actually uh, drops, meaning it, it, it condenses more often. Yes, Scott, this is happening in the winter, though. Well, it's the same thing. In the wintertime, your attic, the cold is coming from the attic itself. Okay. So it's the same issue. You have uh, metal getting too cold around warm, moist. In the wintertime, the moisture comes from inside the house. In the summertime, the, the moisture comes from the attic itself. And, and can I replace those diffusers with uh, plastic ones? Uh, yeah, but then your boot, you know, the the metal right behind it in a 1960s house, you're built with metal ductwork and metal, you, all that ductwork has to be properly insulated. Oh, no, no, no. All of our ductwork, all of our ductwork is uh, uh, tubing. Flex, flex duct. Except, Insul- insulated tubing. Except your boots. That's the piece right behind that register. You follow what I'm saying here, Leonard? Well, I'm not familiar, but I'll take a look. Yeah, you get up there. If you pull that register off in those rooms and stick your finger up in there, you'll be looking at galvanized steel. And that's they're they're only about 18 inches long, and it's where the flex duct connects to them. So that's your ideally you're only insulate or isolated to that problem. So you're about an about a foot and a half away from getting this fixed. Okay, thank you. All right, Leonard. Good question. Thank you, sir. Bye now. Next up, let's see what's happening here with uh, Craig. Hey, Craig, Scott Mosby. Welcome to Lunchtime. KMOX, how can I help? Scott, first of all, thanks to you and KMOX for providing the service. Um, I live in a, was a new construction ranch um, with a walkout basement and a hip roof. Okay. And my problem is, and to, to just paint the picture quickly, in the back of the house, uh, the basement is unfinished. So the the basement is at you know, ground level, if you will, yep. and um, about 10 feet in from each side of the house, there is a 10 by 10 concrete pad, one for a, a patio sliding door and the other for a, a double industrial door. Um, the, the poured basement wall makes the corner in the back and then tapers down to a traditional wood frame kind of back wall. I'm getting water coming in at right just about at where the poured concrete basement wall ends and the frame wall starts. Uh, the gutter in the back was overflowing, and uh, I had some funny folks come out and clean it out and clean the downspouts. The downspouts are connected to that black corrugated um, hose and go out about 25 feet or so, uh, maybe maybe 30, into the yard to, to some you know, drains. Okay. So I'm not sure where the water's coming from. And my problem is it's kind of like when you take your car to the shade tree mechanic, he starts changing things. 
And, well, this didn't work, so I'll change something else. And the next thing you know, the bill goes out of sight. What I'm looking for is maybe some of your divine inspiration, wisdom, and guidance on what the most probable cause of this is and what kind of an organization would I go to to elicit some help. Well, Craig, first off, uh, the first thing I'm doing is I'm doing the process of elimination, too. Uh, but I'm going to give you the most probable one, so that it's hard to do. What What is the exterior of your house? Is it brick or siding? or It's, it's, it's vinyl siding. Okay. Water travels behind vinyl siding. Uh, people don't recognize that, but it is a cladding. It is not a waterproofing. Water travels behind wood siding. That's why it's called lapboard or clapboard. Uh, the moisture hits uh, years ago what would be the felt paper behind, and it, it travels behind that. So keep in mind, the water doesn't necessarily come from outside your siding and then penetrate back in. It may be coming from behind your siding, and if you've got windows that are improperly flashed, meaning that the water travels behind the siding comes around the windows you can actually have water coming in where you never see it on the outside of your house do you follow what i'm saying i do there's only one window in this equation and that is up in the main floor in a bathroom well it's not even the window it's just water travels behind siding so and and it can come from the house perspiring so that's where you have moisture Uh, inside the air if you will so this is a i mean we're talking about Big puddles on the on the floor in the basement, not condensation. Okay, then I would offer that you might have horizontally travel. Does it does it coincide with rain? Yes. Okay, you have water uh, getting inside some sort of a J channel or some trim piece that is related to your site. This is something that we do because it's so weird. Logic doesn't hold until you pull it apart and it's oh yeah, that's why it's happening. So anyway, you're welcome to call us, but that's how we got in the consulting service was we didn't know who else to call because we, we nobody else understands this. So that, there you go. Okay, well, hey, that was a great tip, and uh, I'll give you a call, and uh, we'll see what we got. Thanks again for your service, and have a great weekend. Okay, Craig, thanks.